Welcome back, nerds, to the Game of Nerds podcast, where there's no shame in having an unhealthy obsession with the fandom. I am your host, Shannon, and this episode is all about voice acting. Joining me today is the insanely talented Joel Gibbs. How are you doing today, Joel? I'm doing great, Shannon. Nice to be here. I am so excited to have you here today to talk, but before we dive into you, your amazing career, and the voice acting world, we like to start our podcast episodes with what's taking our money or what we're recently obsessing over. So I have to ask, what's been taking all your attention, Joel? Well, you know, uh, the world of, of, of voiceovers has been keeping me busy for decades. Uh, right at the moment, uh, this past week, I... I got assigned to do two audiobooks, one full of of blood and sex and <laughs> guts and, and and gore and the mafia. So it's like, okay, I'm in. Yeah. I'm I'm good for that. That sounds good. And, and another audiobook that uh I've been asked to narrate on uh, audible.com that has something to do with a strange uh witch. I I I haven't read the whole manuscript yet, but it it sounds strange and and crazy, which again is right uh, down my path, and 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 another audiobook uh, that looks like it's going to be some sort of Greek mythology Game of Thrones sort of thing. So I get to play a a lot of crazy characters in that, and then I'm supposed to be a submarine captain in a radio a radio commercial. I'm not sure I'm spo- if it's supposed to be Sean Connery as a submarine commander. We're going to find out about that. And uh, something, you know, it's every day, it, they're like snowflakes. No two are ever alike. I love that, though. That has to make the job so exciting and interesting. Do you get to pick and choose which project and characters you do? Or should I say, are you picky about which jobs you do? I wouldn't say I'm picky. As far as audiobooks go, I tend to... to um, choose the ones where I'm doing more voice acting rather than just straight narration. You know, if it were, I'm I'm sure I could handle a book about how to install PVC pipes, but I'm afraid I might fall asleep in the middle of that. I'd I'd rather do. You want a character that you can actually grab onto. Yeah, well, you know, my my background is in doing all sorts of celebrity voices and dialects and cartoon characters and uh, all all kinds of made-up characters and barnyard animals and who knows what. And, uh, you know, that's it. it, the, The acting and the fun of storytelling, at least in that genre, is is very interesting to me and and quite frankly the overwhelming majority of of the radio commercials and the tv voiceovers and all the audio i've done has largely been about mixing it up and and having some fun with it you know because that's my background well the thing that i am trying to process this week that was supposed to be fun is the new tom and jerry movie was released on hbo max yeah i wrote an article on the game of nerds when the trailer dropped so some of you may know my feelings on this because the title was tom and jerry movie wtf is warner brothers thinking i grew up with tom and jerry i think tom and jerry in their cartoon form and short spurts are great but i honestly really want to know who at warner brothers one decided it would be a good idea to create a tom and jerry movie and to the person who cleared it thinking yes this is going to make us a crap ton of money well it's going to be it's going to be interesting um to see what the tom and jerry movie is actually all about because 
you know, I grew up with that. I'm, I'm a child of the 50s and I grew up with Tom and Jerry and Tom and Jerry did not have voices. Yeah. They just screamed and made sounds and giggled and what have you. And if you're a fan of The Simpsons, uh, clearly the baby boomers who created and developed The Simpsons over these decades um, were inspired by Tom and Jerry to create uh, Bart Simpson's favorite show, the Itchy and Scratchy show. And I, I have to tell you that, I mean, again, Itchy and Scratchy really don't kind of talk, uh, but they, you know, make each other a bloody mess, or at least uh, the cat is. And and that is just totally, totally phenomenal to me. What, uh, that's my favorite part of The Simpsons, always has been Itchy and Scratchy. So. Well, the Tom and Jerry movie stays within the lines of that classic cartoon storyline that they don't talk. They live in a world where the humans are real, but the animals are animated. And Tom and Jerry have parted ways professionally. Jerry takes up residence in a hotel. So the hotel hires Tom to get him out. Obviously, chaos ensues. The storyline's deeply flawed, but they're at least attempting to hit at nostalgia. Well, as long as Jerry destroys Tom, uh infinitely that's that's all that really matters to me that's that's what i want to see i want to see tom and jerry the you know the the classic you know what what I, what i grew up with well talking about cartoons and tom and jerry is a great way to segue into what we're talking about this episode and that is voice acting you are an extremely talented voice actor who has been in the game for quite a long time you are known as the man with a thousand voices well actually to be honest it's actually 783, but marketing is everything. You know, that doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> you are totally right. Marketing is everything, but that's a lot of voices, Joel. That takes extreme talent. I'm always in awe of voice actors and animation series in general because it's mm -hmm. frankly rare talent. People who are really good at art and really good at bringing characters to life. But you don't just do voices. You've also hosted radio talk shows. You were the director of Love the Arts in Philadelphia and the host of Love the Arts podcast where you got to chat with some amazing celebrities like Kevin Bacon and George Takai. You are a man with a very impressive resume and I am so excited and blessed to have you here talking about the one thing that's been keeping you busy during the pandemic, voice acting. I'm really hoping this episode gives fans an insight into voice acting and maybe inspires someone to pursue their dream. So let's start with the basics. What inspired you or got you into voice acting or is it voiceovers? Is there a correct term? Well, um, I was inspired. It, first of all, to, to me, voice acting is an innate sort of thing. That That's my opinion. Now, you know, there's there's so many courses and this and that about become a voice actor. And these days, you know, pandemic or not, um, there's there's just tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people with a microphone and software that just become instant voice actor. But it, it, it's for, for me, it's it's a little bit more complex than that. And it really does start with an innate unexplained uh, ability, or if you want to call it a gift that is bestowed upon you like really like any talent what why can somebody throw a football 60 yards downfield and hit a target bang uh it, it's unexplainable it's a it's a talent it's something you nurture it you you practice with it but for me it all started with a a 
just an intense fascination with somebody that was on television when I was four, about four years old. Uh, he's he he at the time. Uh, well, for baby boomers, he's the most famous ventriloquist that was ever on TV. His name is Paul Winchell. And at that time, he was known for his kitty shows, uh, which I was very attracted to. Um, he had a sidekick. There he is back there. That is so cool. I got hooked onto ventriloquism with Jeff Dunham right. a long time ago and his puppets. Once again, things I can't do, so I can only just sit and be amazed. Well, I, I was about four years old, and I was entranced by Paul Winchell and his sidekick, Jerry Mahoney. And I, I can't explain it, but what I started to do was uh, you know, sit in front of a mirror with my hand puppets and, and what have you, and I would stare at the mirror, and I would go... A D C D E F G H I J K L N N L P and see if I could not move my lips uh, while I was doing it. Then I got my little toy Jerry Mahoney dummy, which I still have, and then my little semi-pro version of it. And eventually, that guy that's back awesome. that, that's sitting behind me. But that, that that's a that's a story in a podcast in and of itself. That 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 little guy back there. Nevertheless, by the time I was five or six years old. I was a fairly accomplished ventriloquist and I had assigned um, all these different voices and personalities to all the different hand puppets, marionettes, dummies, all the figures that I had. And so uh, kind of unbeknownst to me, subconsciously, I was training myself to become a voice artist. Then, you know, you graduate into you know then 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 the, everybody knew me as a ventriloquist as a kid but by the by, by the time you get to like junior high and you're maybe a little bit more mischievous you start start using the ventriloquism and the voices in a kind of different way because you're not, not bringing you know you're 12 13 years old you're not bringing your hand puppets to school you sit uh, in in the auditorium for the last 15 minutes of lunch period when it's cold outside and you can't play ball and you start with the ventriloquism you know because nobody knows i'm doing it except for the 200 friends that are sitting all around me and so you start doing the voices allegedly of the teachers who are running up and down the aisles monitoring to make sure you're quiet and well behaved so where i start going what the hell is the matter with you without moving my lips the math teacher, it, yeah. who is that? Who is that? 200 other boys yeah. are going, it's Gibbs. Gibbs is doing that. This is great. More. Give us more. And, and inevitably, you you know, I turned a, a lifetime of avocations into one big vocation and, you know, started doing voices in radio commercials and TV audio and what have you. And... As the years have gone by, um, it's like celebrity voices. Yeah, I got well about over a hundred of those. Cartoon characters, plenty of those. Just made up dialects and, like I say, submarine ca- commander and the the king of some far off land or a donkey or whatever. So yeah, it's it became a cottage industry for me, and I was very lucky uh, here in this part of the country that very few if any people were able to 
uh, compete with what I could do, which is write it, record it, voice it, you know, one-stop shopping for, for voice acting and voiceovers. So very lucky. And you're on the East Coast, so it's not like you are living in L.A. or Hollywood where you can just drive it on down to the office once you're done with it. Yeah, New York is close. But for the most part, you've had to do all this work from your right. own home office. Not to mention, you've been doing this for a long time. So you've done the whole process of recording yeah. it, physically mailing it, having for it to be edited in some cases. It really goes to show how much technology has changed over the last few years and how easy we have it. But it also is a testament to how truly talented you are. Because just like music, anyone can hop on a computer nowadays, sing a little ditty, and have the software make them sound absolutely amazing. Well, it's interesting that you mention music because um, I look at a piece of copy, a, a script for a commercial or a narration or an audiobook or whatever it may be. I, I kind of look at it as music. It is it is like reading music. Uh, you have to, I, I think, to be successful at it, to, to do well at it. Uh, I think you have to you have to think of it that way because any sentence has ups and downs and highs and lows in in being able to express something um, uh, uh, appropriately and uh, so yeah uh, and being being a musician myself you know that's helped a lot although um, I'm a drummer and you know the old joke goes what do you call a guy that hangs out with musicians what drum drummer. <laughs> One of the one of these days, I'm going to learn to play that bass back there. You know, that's that's sitting there as the self-proclaimed uh, most passionate Beatle maniac that ever walked the face of the earth. Uh, when I decided, I when I decided back in 2009, hey, I've been drumming all my life. I'd like to, before I die, play an instrument that doesn't go boom, 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 boom. So the bass goes with drums that they're kind of interlocked together and so i bought of course a hofner bass like paul mccartney's yeah. and and um it's been in the case <laughs> since 2009 literally literally i have I, it has not been plugged in and and i have no excuse now during the pandemic i mean you'd think i uh, hey you know what i'm gonna damn it i'm gonna learn that bass but I haven't done it, but it makes for it makes for something cool to, to look at. And it makes for a great story, too. <laughs> I love it. When you first started doing voice acting jobs, do you remember your first paying gig? Did you have that moment of like, hot damn, I did it. I'm finally going to get paid for doing what I love. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was uh, the voice of I don't. Well, if you remember who Ed Sullivan was, yeah. Ed, Ed Sullivan, you know, the the host for. 25 years or so of his own variety show on Sunday night. He's the guy that for all intents and purposes gave us the Beatles. So thank you, Ed. Ed Sullivan and Jimmy Cagney were two voices that everybody in the world, it didn't matter who you were, your grandmother, your grandfather, your aunt, your uncle, whatever, everybody did their own version of an Ed Sullivan or a James Cagney voice. The James Cagney uh, default was always the, uh, you dirty rat. Everybody would go, you dirty rat. I'm not sure James Cagney ever ever mentioned those words in a movie he, he ever did. It's like like Harry Grant. Everybody, everybody would do the Judy, Judy, Judy. And I don't think he ever said Judy, Judy, Judy in a film, but for some reason that became the default thing. And Ed Sullivan was the whole really big shoe. 
you know, right? So, so I, I'm pretty sure that somebody hired me to do an Ed Sullivan type of voice. I don't really do it the officially these days, but it was something I don't know. It was a car commercial, a shoe commercial. I, I don't know what it was, but but it wasn't until it wasn't until a couple years later that I became inundated. It was a tsunami of requests to do what still stands today as the favorite impression that I do. And I did it for so many things all over the country. And uh, basically that was was the godfather, you know, doing doing Martin Brando as, as everything everybody wanted an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> So, so I, I, I came this close to changing my company's name to Corleone Advertising. Um, so yeah, Ed Sullivan was probably the first, but, but, uh, Don Corleone was still to this day, the one most requested. When you started doing the Godfather voice and all these requests were coming in, was that your realization that this was going to be your career path? I mean, we're traditionally told that you become a doctor, a lawyer, a businessman. Usually when we see people strike out on these non-traditional creative career paths, they have little to no support. I think I, I think um, it took it took a few years, obviously. I mean, you're developing a business and you're, you're making contacts and whatever, and, and it took a few years for me to become whatever the phrase is the yeah. go-to guy at least certainly in the Philadelphia market um but for sure the first commercials with with my um celebrity voices and whatever that really hit big and and, and it just be I mean there were no iPhones or internet in 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 the seventies, but the ones that really all of a sudden hit very very big and started a tidal wave of work were ones for a headshot. Oh wow! No way. In in Atlantic's on the Atlantic City Boardwalk, it was called High Old Times, and typically um, the guy asked, "Well, this is a headshot, so." Can you do Cheech and Chong? Oh my God! Of course. So I said, I, I said yes, I can. And these these commercials where I portrayed Cheech and Chong on behalf of the head shop, which kind of made made sense and fit, uh, they were definite that they were the, the series of commercials that finally hit big. Uh, reverberated with clients everywhere. Everybody knew them. In fact, um, in Atlantic City is is though it's world renowned, is actually a very small town. It's a very small radio market. But whereas ninety nine percent of the commercials on radio in Atlantic City were straight narration. If you're looking for furniture, why not see the friendly people at Shannon Furniture? And it's like. <laughs> You know, they were all what we call rip and read, you know, just write some copy, read it, and everything sounds the same. So you were bringing something new to the table. You were different. You were catching people's attention. Well, that that's the thing. I'm, I'm, I'm a great believer, at least in radio commercials and, and storytelling in general, of theater of the mind. So if if all of a sudden, man, you know, it's like uh, we're talking about all the all the papers and the vongs and the fives and all this stuff. Oh wow, man, that sounds far out. Then if people people were picturing 
It was theater in the mind. And all of the advertisers on these radio stations in Atlantic City that were carrying this head shops commercials were going to their sales reps and saying, hey, well, what's the deal here? I, 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 you, you give this 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 Cheech and Chong stuff you're producing for 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 this head shop, and we get this rip and read stuff. And they were like, "Well, no, 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 no." There's this guy in Philadelphia who's doing this for this head shop. Well, what am I, chopped liver? Bring this guy in. Next thing you know, for 20 years, maybe a little more. Uh, I I had to tra- I was traveling to Atlantic City once a week every week for 20 years going from one furniture a bar a restaurant a, a just every kind of retail category you can think of that wanted this type of stuff so next thing you know i'm doing a samurai based on john belushi for a car dealership or or ralph and norton from the honeymooners for a party goods supply place and on and on and on so there was a point for most of 20 years where you couldn't turn on atlantic city radio without hearing me so i annoyed the hell out of people for decades did it bother you to hear yourself that much on the radio? I mean, this is at a time where most people were driving, so I can only assume that you're driving down the freeway hours on end and go, hey, I did that ad. Wait, there's me again. Oh, third time's a charm. Holy crap, four times in a row now. It, uh, well, it was it, it was it was a comforting thing to know I was doing that much business, but but it was like, this this is this is interesting in Philadelphia and the surrounding areas in Atlantic City. I figured at some point somebody had to sneak up behind me and, and be my competitor or or whatever. And it never happened. It it just never happened. I, I it was very, very fortunate. But yeah, that market alone is what really started sending my company and my career through the stratosphere. I know you've done a lot of projects, but do you have a favorite or least favorite project that really sticks out to you? I have, I have, I have lots of. I have to tell you that those headshot commercials were favorites because you know, I've I've done, I, I want to say a rough number, north of forty thousand uh, pro- projects, and 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 I couldn't instantly remember them all because I, it, it was like you know, being in, in fantasy land, you know, I was Santa and an elf in one and a, a you know, a farmer and a donkey in another and, and Cheech and Chong in this one and Rodney Danger and Sean Connery and, you know, uh, uh, James Bond in Q in this one and the Flintstones in this one. So, you know, I, I did the, the variety of what I've been fortunate to do is, is it's, it's almost incalculable. It, I, 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 it's, in fact, um, every once in a while, somebody will say, have you ever done such and such? And I go, yeah, I have. And I search for it and I'll listen to the commercial. And it's a little bit of an out of body experience because I've written it. I've voiced it. I've recorded, but it's, it's a little bit of an out of body experience. It's like, where, where am I going with this? 
with this script and i go <laughs> oh okay okay yep i totally understand what you're talking about i've been running the game of nerds for over seven years now i personally read and schedule every article that goes out on our website we have over eleven thousand articles at this point and close to 200 authors i'll be in a meeting with somebody and they'll ask me oh don't you remember that article we posted and i will go kinda and usually i have to look it up and then as i'm reading the article i go ah yes i I do remember this now. Yeah, yeah. I've I've lived the I've lived long enough to have forgotten most of everything. <laughs> Has there been a project in your career where you wish you hadn't done it, or you may have some regrets about it? Oh, um, I don't I don't know if I can point to one particularly, but uh, it's it it's, it's sort of typical in this business that the uh, you know that the the most of the clients don't know what they want. want. Oh, I know that problem oh so well. And, and 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 have a great great deal of difficulty describing what they don't know what they want. Um, I still I still experience that today. I I have you know audition requests that come in by email all the time, and and you will get many many that say i want something really loud but 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 can you make it soft and if he could be really old yet have a young tinge to it um very very proper british but no accent at all and i'm like what the hell are you talking about i you know i so um, I'll just look at the copy that they send and 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 read what I instinctively think it should be, or or if I were a listener, wh- how I think I'd like to hear this interpreted, or what would catch my ear, because you know that that's really the essence of of voice acting, which is you know somebody you know snapping their neck up and going. I am paying attention now. That makes a lot of sense to me. Do you get a lot of requests where people will be like, well, what do you think? Or do whatever you think the voice should be. Well, I I don't know if, if, if many people express themselves that way. But, I, I you know, a, a rule that I tend to follow is if I, if I need a job done, whether it's, I don't mean voiceover, I mean if it's a... A, a plumber or a carpenter or an auto mechanic or a doctor or whatever. Um, I, I tend to try to find the person that my intuition tells me knows what they're talking about, knows what they're doing. And then it really is incumbent upon me to just let them do their job. If I'm supposedly hiring an expert, let the expert do, the, you know, I, 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 I actually have had one client who who is a very dear client who when we first met said look and they were an ex, uh, definitely an expert in their field and and they said to me look i don't tell a brain surgeon where to drill <laughs> i love that advice that's some of my favorite advice yeah and i thought to myself okay that's that's a good healthy attitude and within 5 minutes he was telling this brain surgeon me where to drill and I'm like, okay, well, it's it's a nice sentiment, uh, but clearly you're not practicing what you preach, you know. So it's like, why don't you stay in your wheelhouse? You're hiring me for my wheelhouse, and it's not like. And actually, I like input. 
I really do. I like all the, so I take all the input that I can possibly get. And then it's up to me to kind of coalesce it into what appears to me to be the way to go about it. So it's like, if you're hiring an expert, give the expert some room uh, to do what they're doing. And um We'll see how it turns out. As a child care coach, I often have to remind parents of the services that I personally provide and that if you're looking for something that I don't provide, you may have to go elsewhere. As you were talking about, there are just some people who don't know what they want. And no matter what option you hand them, there's something wrong with it. And I'm not going to waste my time creating something that's not going to make you happy at the end of the day. Well, you, you see, there's there's a very, very distinct difference between doing any form of narration, whatever the type of voice it may be, and doing celebrity impressions, cartoon characters, dialects, and whatever, because that's finite. And 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 it's up to, you know, with narration, and, and they say, give me old but young, but up and down and left or right or whatever, and, and, and you just start, you know, it's like, it's like saying, I'd like a, a business-like narration. Well, I, I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it sounds like you, you don't want it goofy and it should be straight, straight and narrative. So, so you, so you say, Mary had a little lamb. It's fleece was white as snow and everywhere that Mary went, the lamb was sure to go. Now, if I send that to somebody, it's all in the ear of the beholder. That person may go, wait, that's not the voice I was, I was looking for. But if somebody says to me, oh, I need Dr. Evil, well, then you really honestly throw me a freaking bone here. You know, then it becomes more finite. You know, you know, it's like, well, do Dr. Evil. Now, you may or may not like it, but there's not a lot of room for, for interpretation or for, for objectivity or subjectivity. It's like, do you like that straight narrator or not? But really, when you're doing Dr. Evil, there's just so much you can do. Honestly. <laughs> I love Dr. Evil. He gets me every time. You talked a little earlier on the podcast about how there are a variety of courses available online for voice acting. And due to the pandemic, we've seen a lot of do-it-yourself or how-to courses pop up. If someone was wanting to become a voice actor because they love recreating their favorite Disney or Simpsons characters, where would you start? Well, uh, again, in, in, in this, this age of uh, TMI and the internet, uh, there, you you can put searches in there for uh, voiceover courses. There's a gazillion of them. I, I I've never really watched any of them because I'm already decades into it. I I, I don't need to watch class. Nevertheless, um, you mentioned The Simpsons. There are uh, Nancy Cartwright who does the voice of Bart Simpson and many many others. She actually um, she offers. A, a voiceover masterclass. If you're going to take a shot at, at paying for some sort of a course, um, you know, you might want to put her name in first in a search, because if you're going to learn, you may as well learn from the masters. And, and quite frankly, Nancy Cartwright, I happen to know individually is a person who was who befriended uh before his passing the legendary Dawes Butler. Now you may not know Dawes Butler was her mentor. Dawes Butler was the voice of 
an incalculable amount of Hanna-Barbera characters in the 50s and 60s, like Huckleberry Hound, Yogi Bear, uh, Quick Draw McGraw, Pixie and Dixie, Mr. Jinx, Snagglepuss, on and on and on. Uh, Elroy in the Jetsons. Um, uh, Dawes Butler is, is is a legend just like um, my personal I'm not worthy god of voiceovers, Mel Blanc. And Mel Blanc, of course, the 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 for me, the god of all voiceovers who who voiced all of the legendary Warner Brothers characters, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Sylvester and Foghorn Leghorn and Elmer Fudd and on and on. His his son, Noel, may be doing a course. I, I don't know, but Noel has appropriated some of his father's voices. He inherited some of that talent. But I I have been lucky and inspired by Mel Blank, Blank that I do a handful of those Warner Brothers voices. I also inspired by people like Alan Reed, who did Fred Flintstone. Mel Blank also did Barney Rubble, as a matter of fact. I, I think you, you could go mad on YouTube and, and the net, uh, figuring out what courses, but what you have to remember as a voiceover artist and, and most people in the world are aware of this when they hear their own recorded voice back, they go, wait a minute, that's what I sound like. I, I sound like that. So there is a, there are a lot of tricks involved in being able to alter your voice, uh, listen to it in a microphone through headphones, and then you will hear what you actually sound like rather than your spoken voice when you're talking to your mom or your husband or your friend or whatever. So it, it, it's, 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 and then of course, if, if you're lucky uh, to be blessed with the innate ability to create, whether it's just narrator voices, you'd be surprised that, that again, when it comes to straight voices, it's all in the ear of the beholder. And someone may go, boy, I really just like the quality of your voice. I think you'd be great for this drain cleaner uh, commercial. And you just never know. And then there are are uh, quite a number of online um, voice sites um, like Voices.com uh, is, is just an example where for a relatively small subscription uh, amount you can join put in your profile this is the voice range i'm a male i'm a female i can do some of these dialects or whatever and then auditions audition requests start start popping up and then you fulfill them and you might be surprised you, you just might be surprised uh that someone may just listen and go you know what I like this Shannon's voice. I, I let me let me offer this job to Shannon. Uh, so uh, it, it's throwing a lot of you know what on the wall uh, to see what just might stick. But once again, it just goes to show that you are a testament that you can make it happen if you work hard and you've got talent. You've proved that you don't have to live in L.A. or New York to do this job. And I'm a firm believer that if you've got a talent, you should be using it. Well, you know, it was already an established thing uh, for many years with the help of the Internet um, that that listen, if if I'm doing a voice that somebody likes and they're in Indiana, I'm not about to hop pandemic or otherwise. uh, They're not going to pay 
uh, for me to hop on a plane, come to Indiana and record. So so the remote yeah. recording thing via the Internet and the tools and the software that 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 are standard, uh, some are very expensive. Uh, some are less expensive. It, it, it kind of, you know, you, there are entry level budgetary things that you can try until you think that maybe, you know, what you're doing kicks in. But especially because of the pandemic, that just vaulted the remote recording through the ceiling. I mean, I've, I've been to, because I, I, I live in the suburbs of Philadelphia, I'm pretty close to New York, and New York is a gigantic hub for recording, especially voiceover recording. And um, I've gone to physically a lot of sessions in New York, but that was easy. Hop on a train in an hour. I'm in New York. Boom, boom, boom. Come back by dinner time. I'm done, whatever the case may be. Now, today, um, it's all exclude, especially because of the pandemic. It's exclusively remote recording. And again, depending on, on, uh, there's so many things to to consider the quality of your your mixing board and your mic and your and your preamp and your software and and all these sorts of things. I totally understand where you're coming from. Running this podcast has definitely shown me that side. Every equipment decision is all right. Do we need to go big or can we use a cheaper Amazon version? Yes, I'm referring to the current mic fiasco of 2021. Sometimes you just need the hard lesson of why not to buy the cheap stuff. And at the end of the day, you have to have the right tools to do the job the correct way. Otherwise, you're just providing your clients or listeners in this case with a crappy product. You, for example, have an amazing home setup that our listeners can't see right now. Did this setup grow due to the pandemic or have you always had this setup? Well, I, I already had that. Actually, what you're looking at is sort of behind me. I'm sitting facing the entire console and that would be a much, much more impressive uh, bunch of wheels, buttons, bells, and whistles to look at. You know, there's some retro things back there that aren't used all that much but yes this this studio that that i am in which is here in my home i've had this studio in my home for most of 40 years i mean the equipment has changed and and what have you so yeah i i i um it, it's it's rare well what well, you know what I, I i've been doing this for so long that um people i've been fortunate that people have trusted me it's i i would say it's less than one percent of the time that and of course it's easier now with facetime and skype and 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 those tools um it's uh the people have trusted me they hear my work and they here's the copy just just record it and without any supervision if i have to change something because i made a mistake or something was a little off or whatever you know you you do that but i've i've been lucky to be able to be in the comfort of my home studio, I had a home studio before anybody had heard of having a home studio. Well, at SDCC last year, we heard a lot from the animated series like Bob's Burgers about what these actors were having to do to record their lines and keep these shows moving. Some people were creating sound studios with egg crates in their kids' closets or having to record during nap time like I am. It's interesting to see how our home offices have changed 
in the last year. But for in the case of voice acting, some things really haven't changed. The home office is still our home office. You still need equipment to do the job right. And it's safe to say that equipment like this is not cheap, no matter which way you slice it. What are some equipment that a voice actor has to have? Well, um, I, I, you, you need to have a, um, and, and, and there are lots of articles uh, about yeah. this on the net. Um, you, you want a good, you, you need, if you're going to do and get, if you're going to do quality auditions and hope for quality work, uh, the expectation is going to be that the sound has got to be really good. Now, you can get away, um, you know, the, the mic that I, I'm in front of right now is actually one of the holy grails of, of, of the entire microphone universe. And I, I just happened to come into possession of this mic about 30 years ago by accident. But this, this mic, I have people begging me to sell this microphone to them offering me more than $10,000 just for the microphone but you don't have to spend that you you can you can spend maybe just a few hundred dollars on a very good quality microphone then you have to make sure that the microphone comes up to level you need a good preamp which basically uh, is is a machine that brings up the quality level and the best of what the microphone has to offer. Then that microphone has to be plugged into an interface, which is the the um, the little box that sends the audio to your computer. And on the computer, you've got to have a certain level of software that will be able to properly uh, 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 translate all, all of if you if you bought the good mic and you bought the good preamp and you go, bought the yeah. good interface, you want to make sure that everything you're sending to the computer will be a uh, true and accurate. But then again, if if you're on Mac, you can do that in GarageBand uh, there and 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 all sorts of different softwares, whatever. So I, I and and again, if you're not recording music, if you're not a music studio and recording, you know, Thriller or or a Beatles album or something like that and it's really just for voice smaller level uh less expensive equipment will suffice at, uh, until somebody on the other end says man your audio sounds terrible and you got to ask a friend or you know type in some questions and in a blog and hope somebody you know join a group there are there are groups on on Facebook and all the other social media that can help hold your hand a little bit if you want to jump into this universe. For me, I've been in this universe for decades, and all I really had to do was, as the technology changed, I had to move along you know with it you know you you know in this in the 70s i was recording on reel to reel that was state of the art and oh man am i so glad i don't have to work on reel to reel anymore you know di- digital is the way to go see i i work i work in a in a software that's called pro tools which is largely the industry standard most most recording studios have work in pro tools some don't some do you know other things because they like like it better but um you know i've been fortunate to be doing this long enough to be able to 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 buy the right equipment to deliver the right product 
We've talked a lot about the pros and the blessings of voice acting and how you really get to do what you love. Is there any cons or negative aspects to this job? No cons at all. I love what I do. I'm very, very fortunate. I wake up every morning being feeling very lucky that I, I do what I do and I've done what I've done. That's motivational. Um, there's not everybody can say that. I wish everybody could. I think it's a wonderful thing to be able to say, I love what I do. So that feeds me. And the other side of that is that I'm basically uh, mental and active imagination. I'm uh, very very deeply steeped in in the entertainment business and and culture and knowledge of film history television history music history uh so that that just keeps my brain bubbling uh you know it's like so you're you're a singer you're a drummer voiceover ventriloquist film guy whatever you're you're basically nuts and, and 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 that served me well. You just wear multiple hats. I talk about this a lot as a mom. We all wear different hats, but it's unacceptable to wear them all at the same time. Yeah. We are all passionate about different things, and that should be okay. A great example is not only do you do a crap ton of different voices, but you also have been a radio and podcast host as well. So my question for you is, what's easier, interviewing celebrities on a podcast or doing voiceovers? Well, it's not really a, a question of... of 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 what's easier it, it's just a different level of enjoyment I, I i have been very lucky to work with and or interview uh unbelievable amount of notable people uh largely in the entertainment industry people who i admire and who have been inspired me um so doing working with these people directing them in television commercials uh, interviewing them for podcasts and, and other reasons. And one of my talk radio shows uh, that I've had over the years has been a real thrill and, and being with them uh, and spending time with them. And, and, and um, it's, that's always been a, a great love of mine. And because I, I have a warehouse of useless knowledge uh, crammed in my brain, uh, I'm able to sit down with these notable people from movies, television, music, and rather than say, so what was it like to work with Julia Roberts? You know, the standard questions. Uh, I go into these interviews with these celebrities, whatever you want to call them, uh, with already a very intense knowledge and interest. And, and they respond very well to that because it's like, wow, this guy either knows a lot about me which is cool or he did his homework or he's coming from uh, coming from a, a different uh direction that is engaging me and and i can tell you that pretty much a hundred percent of of every interview or interaction i've had with these people has been very enriching certainly for me and i think to some degree here and there for for them too because it's it's been different than the same old same old stuff and and i i've i've been very lucky to meet some of my absolute idols idols big i mean i've met a lot met and interviewed and worked with a lot of very famous people but a small handful of them have actually been my personal idols and that that those were mind-blowing experiences 
I love that you bring up this point because I tell my staffers all the time when we would do conventions pre-pandemic and we would meet up with these huge actors. Being on the small blog side, we usually got pushed to being the last interview of the days, which means sometimes we just got pushed off the schedule completely. And it's understandable, but you would go in and see some of these actors and you could just tell in their face that they are exhausted. It's been a very long day. And fans forget that they're human like everybody else. So I'm the first to say, hey, do you mind if I email you these questions so you can answer them when you have time? Or I've got snacks. Is it okay that I ride with you and we chat on your way to photo ops? Well, that goes to um, the knowledge and the interest that you have in in the subject. And, and, and at a certain point in the day, for instance, at the junkets, um, you know, I've done a lot of, of interviews at film junkets. And usually these, um, these stars are getting asked the same questions over and over and over and it's my and it's mind numbing. And you know, if if I if I'm interviewing uh, somebody at a film junket, well, obviously the the producers of the junket are pushing for me to ask questions only about the film that is being plugged. Uh, but then all of a sudden, I start going off the tangent, and most times nobody interrupts me because a good producer is watching the celebrity and if the celebrity is engaged and they see they're having a good time it would it would not be cool to interrupt that because i've had that happen a couple times where they've said okay joel we're we're all done now and and the and the and the interviewee would go yeah we're we're in the middle you know i i um have worked with kevin bacon a number of times who is delightful delightful guy and the last time i was together with him all we talked about we did not even mention one of his movies not one all we talked about was music and we talked about the beatles and growing up and records we listened to and whatever and you could see he was so into it because it's like hey man he's He's not talking to me like Kevin Bacon. It's just two dudes hanging out, talking about the music that they love. So that's another skill that I learned from watching two people on television intently. One of them was Johnny Carson, who was, and as far as I'm concerned, still is the absolute king of late night. No one will ever be better. And what Carson, what I learned from Carson was, Shut up. Listen to your guest and just jump in with the little phrase here and there that's appropriate. Bring out the best in in your guest. You've already got the show every night. So it's not all about you. If you're if you're interviewing somebody, let them bring out their story and let them shine. And the other thing I learned was from Dick Cavett, who was, you know, Johnny Carson's kind of competitor. He never rose to the heights of Carson. And what Cavett did, it was so clear to me when I was in my teens. Cavett, as we talked about before, was so well-researched. He was the guy that that you could sit with Jimi Hendrix, and Jimi Hendrix could tell that Dick Cavett actually listened to his music rather than reading you know, the stock questions off a sheet that were provided by the producer. So when you combine the listen to your guest and then 
and then be well informed, you know, bring out the best, then, then, you know, you can, you can do well. Uh, on air as an interviewer, podcast, or whatever the case may be. That is some amazing interview and podcasting advice, but it's also great life advice as well. We as humans are always looking to fill the silence, and sometimes if we just stop and listen, we can learn something new from someone else. I'm putting myself on that pedestal, but if you're the host of a show that is bringing information and maybe interesting guests and whatever to your audience, um, you want to let you want to bring that out of 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 your guest. I've seen the opposite, you know, happen, and I know I'm yakking pretty good here, but nevertheless, <laughs> no. Oh my gosh, you have taught me so much just in the time that we have been talking. I'm really, honestly, mind blown right now. I could sit here and talk to you for hours. I've been doing the media circus with TGON for about seven years now, and most people in this industry have a giant stick up their butt. So it's really nice to talk to someone who is down to earth, humble, and willing to just have a conversation about their life and their career. So I have to ask you, what's the best advice a celebrity has ever given you? The best advice a celebrity has <laughs> Oh, I, you know what? I don't know that I got any particular advice, although, you know, I certainly have individual moments, you know, that I, I remember, you know, aside from the entire interviews, one that always comes to mind was when uh, we got to work with Julie Andrews. And, <gasps> no way. Uh, this was a television interview, and I was, we were waiting for her to come to, um, in, into the room where we were, where we were set up and it all of a sudden occurred to me, Oh my God. Uh Oh, what if, forgive my language. What if Julie Andrews is a bitch? <laughs> oh it my will, gosh. It will. It would ruin you. Well, I, I just thought it would shatter everything, every belief I have in mankind in the universe. If that were the case, and I, I actually was worried about it because I, I Julie Andrews and the doors burst open and she went, hello, hello, how are I'm actually getting a chill just remembering it. And I was like, I think we're OK. I, I think we're OK here. And and when she um, you know, we, we were actually doing her a little bit of a favor, not only doing our thing, but a camera crew had had. Uh, had booked on them for something else they were going to do in that same room. And the manager said, would you guys mind hanging around and shooting this thing for us? I know it has not. And it was like, well, you did this, you arranged this interview. It's the least we can do. And as before I started my thing, I went over to her and I just took my finger and just slightly fixed. I asked her, may I just move this little stray hair? on your head and she said sir and she grabbed my hand and said joel you have no idea how grateful we are that your crew is going to do this other interview you totally saved us i cannot thank you enough one part of my brain it my is is using my mouth and i said well Ms. andrews considering all the joy that you've provided me and all of us in, in our lives, this is the very least we can do. The other part of my brain is going, Mary Poppins is squeezing my hand. 
I'm not going to lie. I would have probably been a puddle on the floor as a career nanny. Nobody gets more OG than Mary Poppins and Julie Andrews. it's It's a very rewarding thing when you meet people you admire or, uh, and they, they're down to earth and, and they're polite and they're real. Um, I've, I've only, I, I, like I say, I've, I've been, you know, worked with hundreds of notable people. I mean, a lot of like really serious big shots and, and only, only had two bad experiences, only two. I'm not going to mention the names. I'll just say that one was a baseball player, monstrously huge, one of the hugest ever. And the other was one of the most honored, awarded, talented, um, musical composers and writers that the world has ever seen and the biggest the biggest most in, in, in horrible jerk ever just but you know what when it, when it get down when it gets down to it we were talking about this earlier uh if you're lucky um you are blessed with a gift or or any kind of a talent um, that doesn't necessarily make you a good human being. It makes you really good at what you do. But if you can combine, if you can really combine talent, hard work, and kindness, you're really a superhero. It makes it, you know, you know, I, I don't personally know Tom Hanks, but you, you assume, wow, look at this fabulous guy that's given us what he's given us, and at the same time, you get the feeling like he's a good guy. You know, and, and and if you get to meet someone like that and they turn out to be a good guy, it's like, I was right. Joel, I sincerely appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to sit down and chat with me about your career and your experiences with celebrities. We will definitely be having you on the podcast again soon. Is there anything you are currently working on? Where can our fans find you, follow you or stalk you, as I like to say? Very easy. Um, you can visit my website, which is voicesbyjoel.com. So at VoicesByJoel.com, you can email me, you can contact me, you can listen to little samples of the crazy nonsense that I specialize in. There's not enough bandwidth to put all the all, all the craziness that I've ever done, but you'll get a pretty good idea. So VoicesByJoel.com is an easy place to uh, to uh, give a listen to my listen. I I'm in charge of the goofy stuff. That's my job. Somebody has to do it. That's my job. So if you go to voicesbyjoel.com, you'll be able to get a get in touch with me if you like for what whatever it may be, whether it's for your your company, for things that are digital. Uh, people often contact me and say, hey, listen, I, I, I need Arnold Schwarzenegger to wish my husband a happy birthday. Can you send me an MP3? And, and so forth and so forth. So there's a little bit of everything there. And the rest is yet to come. If you want to catch up on all the latest nerd news, reviews, and recommendations from video games, books, movies, television, cosplay, and more, check out thegameofnerds.com. We can also be found on all major social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and YouTube as The Game of Nerds. You can subscribe to The Game of Nerds podcast on Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts so you don't miss out on any new episodes. Remember, when you play for The Game of Nerds, you either level up or respawn.